Welcome to Raising Parents 2.0, where we learn to take fear and worry out of life and parenting and lead with love and leadership. I'm your host, Saloni Singh, a mom, a life, family and self-mastery coach. Every week, I'm interviewing inspiring people from all walks of life to talk about the essential ingredients to create a life that inspires you, your children and make a positive impact in the world too. A life you love living. So let's begin. This is episode 1 Raising Parents 2.0 Create a Life You Love Living. I'm so excited to have a very very special guest today. So how do I even begin to describe this special person? Have you ever met someone that you feel you are meeting unwavering peace, pure unconditional love itself? Whether you have or you haven't you are in for a treat today because that's who you're going to meet. He is a peaceful warrior, a visionary, a life coach, a surfer, and above all, a sacred presence. How do I know? <laughs> because he is my coach. He has done a deep, lot of deep inner spiritual work, and that's what he brings to everyone he interacts with. One of the most beautiful people I have ever met on this planet, his name is Gary Moller. Gary's husband to Kanaku, father of Koan and Kona. So as he says, he's home wherever he is. He has a big list of credentials into life coaching, leadership, mindfulness. He has been coached by topmost coaches of the world, like Steve Chandler, Steve Hardison. And I know my listeners will feel today the peace and love that Gary exudes from his being so naturally. So without ado, let me welcome my coach, Master Coach Gary Moller. Thank you, Gary. Thank you for being on the show. Hello. You're welcome. And thank you for the beautiful introduction. It's just wonderful how you create me for your listeners, for your viewers. It's just thank you for your generosity and inviting me uh, to just share a little bit of what my world is like as a possibility for the world. So thank you. I'm so honored. So honored to have you on the show, Gary. And uh, looking forward to our conversation as we talk about life, love and lots of other things. So I would love to start with how I connected with you, Gary, last year, because that happened through a podcast itself. So I was listening to a friend Yayati's podcast when you described about who you are, your I am statement. And I absolutely love that. I just wanted to connect with you, learn from you, know more about you. So would you share with us how you describe yourself? I am infinite stillness born of ease and flow. I'm pure connection to the all-powerful. And I create what I want. I'm generous and warm-hearted. I'm powerful. I live a life of freedom. I'm playful and patient. I am love coming from love. I am forgiveness and understanding. I am goodness. I am free. Because I'm free, I love, serve, and acknowledge. And I realize that no one is worthy of my judgment, cynicism, self-righteousness, or anger. They're only worthy of my love. 
because I live my life and create my life in this way, I take empowered action and I'm fearless, bold, and courageous. No matter what happens inside of me or outside of me, I remain unmoved and worry-free. Nothing moves or shakes me, even when I'm moved or shaken. I'm filled with joy and I delight in all of life. It ain't nothing till I call it. So those are the first two stanzas of who I am. And I cultivate that and create that and live into that daily. That's who I am. Mm -hmm. So how do you create that? I create that daily from when I wake up to every moment of the day. Some part of that, those are the first two stanzas. There's five in total. I remind myself of who I am almost all of the time. I live into who I am all of the time. I go to bed. I remind myself that that's who I am. That's the most important thing to me. I wake up and that's what I remind myself through reciting that. It's the most important thing to anything that I'm going to do is to remember who I am. And from that, I can create my world. I can be with people. I can be with my wife and kids. That's how I create it. Beautiful. And uh, what happens when you're not able to be the way you, you would, you think you are, or you are not being who you think you believe? That you are what happens then i i don't believe that i'm anything i am everything i just spoke mm. so as a human being there's times that we don't yeah. follow through yeah so if i don't follow through i forgive myself for judging myself if i commit to something and i don't do what i say i clean up mm. with whoever I have done wrong to. So most people think that these things that I speak are affirmations, or they call them confirmations or declarations. But what I've seen with most people is those things are what they pray and wish they were, but they really know that they're not because they've got an undercurrent of judgment against themselves, that they're believing lies about themselves. So no matter how much you say stuff, if you don't believe it, it ain't true. So there's a practice that I did with my coach, and it is a forgiveness practice for forgiving myself, for judging myself as something. So in this, I'm not forgiving myself for being impatient. I'm forgiving myself for judging myself as being impatient. There's a distinction there. Yes, right. And I come back and when I forgive myself for judging myself, judgment is a debt, forgiveness pays the debt. So if you're in, in debt, you feel heavy. Mm. Judgment is like debt. It's like you owe a million dollars. Oh my God, I'm so heavy. I owe the debt. 
forgiveness pays the debt. I forgive for myself for judging myself. So what I did was every time that I thought that I was, let's say, rejected. That used to be the thing. I'd hate rejection. I looked at every time that I felt rejected by a girl, by a client, by something, somebody. I forgave myself for judging myself as rejected. And in that, I found out that I wasn't rejected. They were just confirming something I believed about myself and I rejected me. It just gave me carte blanche to just keep on judging myself, reject myself. So I went through all of the times that I thought I was rejected and I forgave myself for judging myself. And then when there was a clean open space, I said, for the truth is, and the truth is I am free. So that's all that resonates. I am free. I cannot be rejected. People can tell me no. People can tell me whatever they want. But the truth for me is I am free to never reject myself no matter what happens. Right. And in that freedom, I declare who I am, what it is that I want. And I declare um, I am free. So since I'm free, I take empowered action. I can take empowered action because whether or not you say yes to me, it's irrelevant to me. So I can take that empowered action. I'm fearless, bold, and courageous. I just do what I do because I know who I am. I am love coming from love. I'm forgiveness and understanding. So I can do things. And if I falter, guess what? I am love coming from love. I'm forgiveness and understanding with myself. I'm patient playful with myself so no matter what happens whatever i do and say oh human being here oh i don't need to be a saint and i don't need to be a guru i don't you know who i need to be me gary that's all i need to be and i'm the same gary with you that i am with yayati or with hardison or my kids who you met before we came on here to do this I'm free. So what would you say to someone who is listening or watching us? And a lot of people actually hold judgments, a lot of judgments about themselves. And they feel that they're not good enough. They're not worthy. Or if they get angry or they feel that they constantly feel, you know, they're short tempered and so many judgments and guilt around so many things. How can they start really accepting and forgiving themselves? Um, what I did and what really worked for me, and you could try out yourself, is if you are feeling shame or guilt, forgive yourself for judging yourself as being guilty or shameful. Yeah. So I forgive myself for judging myself as being impatient. Mm -hmm. So before I had a very low tolerance for anything. I was impatient. I was always like, so I forgave myself for all of the times that I was impatient or acted impatiently. And as I forgave myself for the judgment, the debt started subsiding and there was a space. Mm. And in that, I was able to say, well, I'm not impatient. Mm. I am patience. I'm at liberty to be infinite patience. 
And when that option became available, I stopped believing the lies. And I went through all of the times and I got rid of the undercurrent of nonsense I was believing. Mm. And at that point, there was something new that could come from within me. And then that's what it is. And I just keep on speaking who I am. Yeah. Love and commitment that you can't give me a cup of commitment or love. Mm. It is only existing in the speaking of what it is. Mm. In the speaking of who I am, that declarative act creates who I am. But I'm just wondering, sometimes people say that, I mean, when I coach people and otherwise as well, that they are so stuck. They feel like they have a very strong belief system, very, very strongly mm-hmm. believe so negatively about themselves. So it can be for... Yeah, it's called judgment. Yeah. And the belief is so strong. They just can't even see anything outside of that. And uh, it's, it's very far away. It's really far-fetched, you know, for them to really accept them. What would be a good way to start for those people? Um, maybe there. If you are so steeped in judgment, I could never not judge myself, right? All I say is, what would it be like to be 1% less judgmental of myself? What would it be like to have no judgment of myself? What would it be like, even if I don't believe it, Mm -hmm. to be open to the possibility that if I forgive myself for judging myself, I'll be 1% lighter? Right. I I don't know of anything else that cures um, self-judgment, lack of confidence, or any of these things, because we've been really taught to believe the lies about ourselves and the only way to get better is if we chastise ourselves make ourselves wrong then we'll get better and i'm sorry you take a look at how many times you've made yourself wrong or other people wrong and you keep on digging a deeper and deeper grave it just goes on and on and on yeah, totally. I mean, this is a huge misconception. I see that people just right. believe that if they feel guilty and really bad about themselves, and that would really help them improve. And also they say that if I really accept myself, forgive myself, how can I even start to improve? Yeah. Um, from my experience, if I forgive myself for the judgment, yeah. that lightness allows me the freedom to change. And I think uh, same applies when when it comes to parenting. So, mm-hmm. yeah, and uh, when I talk to parents, a lot of time they feel that they constantly worry and they're not able to accept certain parts, you know, of their children because they're really uh, coming from a place of uh, really wanting the best for their children, of course. And they just can't stop worrying and judging a lot of things. So what? how to come to really unconditional acceptance of their children and uh, what do you want to share about that? 
um, loving myself as I am allows me to love my kids as they are. If I am constantly chastising them, I'm creating an inner voice within them that will be chastising themselves and I'm just going to be ensuring they continue down a path of whatever it is we don't want for them. Mm. So what I do is this is I love what it is that I don't like about my kids out of them. My son was very rambunctious as a young boy. He would run around in the Japanese preschool and all of the kids would be behaved and it caused my wife a lot of grief. And I remember working with Steve Chandler. Um, I just kept on working on like, my son's driving us crazy. I don't know what to do. What do I do? And basically, I just, I was with my son and I loved him. And over time, he gradually grew out of it. I know my awareness and presence with him and the allowance of him to be there and the time that I spent with him, present with him, still with him, listening to him as a little boy. I've got pictures where I would sit and meditate and he would be on there and he would just go. Then I'd let him go and I would meditate and then he'd come back and he'd sit. So I wasn't holding him. He would just come back because it felt nice. My daughter was very shy. Worked with my coach and we just worked on it for 15 minutes and we're going to love that shyness out of your daughter. That was two years ago, three years ago now. She's not shy anymore. I loved her exactly as she was. And in that, something else blossomed. And along the way, I did certain things and I was with her. But I promise you, the biggest thing that I did with my kids to change these behaviors that were troublesome, I spent time reading to them. I spent time before bed sitting in my bed with them. And we do this thing called hanashi. Japanese hanashi means to speak or to talk. For me, hanashi is a little bit different. Hanashi is I be quiet and they talk and I listen and I'm present. I let them talk about what they want. I let them tell me what they want. And then I'll ask them questions, and in that, they feel seen, they feel heard, and safe, and loved. That changed my son and my daughter. And during Hanashi, if my kids want to know which is stronger, Godzilla or King Kong, I'll just tell them, what is stronger, a dinosaur or a gorilla? And I'll just listen. Man, you want to talk about that? Would you rather this or that? Whatever you want, I'm there with you. That changed them. 
So what you're saying is that you loved, accepted and loved shyness out of her and, and she, yes. blossomed, she blossomed. Some yeah. parents might think like, okay, if, if I just completely love and, you know, accept the parts of my children and if they don't change, they might worry about it. That if sometimes they feel that they have some social anxiety or they have certain issues, they, they don't mingle or they are not very confident. And if they don't change, what would you say to those parents? Um, I try whatever what I'm saying because usually there's judgment, there's worry, and the kids are picking up on what you are yeah. creating with them. And if it's still not working, love and accept them and bring them to someone who can help them. If there's professional help to help with shyness and it gets to the point that nothing's, but first change how you create your children. I created Kona, that's my daughter. People would say, oh, your daughter's very shy in front of her. And I didn't tell them, no, she's not. I, I just said, some might say she's shy, but I don't. To me, she's just very observant and caring and brings me back to the present moment and generous. So I would create her in front of these people and then they totally forget that she's shy. They said, really, in what way? I say, man, if I'm sitting and I need something, she's there and she brings it to me. Oh. She's so observant. And I, I create her to people. I create her to herself, not as shy. And I don't say, don't call her shy. So she's going to say, oh, my God, I'm shy. I just create her as what I see. I create everyone. I create my wife as graceful beautiful, practical, loving, caring, powerful. I create that every day. I create that I fall in love with her more every day. I create that if sometimes I falter and she has to tell me some hard truth, I'm not going to be pig-headed and not accept what she says. I'll say, oh, maybe. Yeah. So when you say that you create people, mm. tell, tell us more about that. What do you mean by that? The way you um, them—that's what you mean. I, I create them in how I am, non-judgmentally. So I create that. Mm -hmm. I create them in how I speak of them to other people. Mm -hmm. So most people, if they gossip, they create people down. I create people up. Mm -hmm. I love, serve, and acknowledge. I will find something, and I don't say stuff out of my butt to just make people like me, I will find something that I actually believe is true. And I will share that with people. I will say, oh, mm -hmm. thank you. You are so kind. You are so generous. I really appreciate you. Thank you for what you're doing. I create them up. Mm -hmm. So in this, man, I just create everyone. Mm -hmm. So genuinely finding something that you would love. And then I don't I I don't say things I don't believe or I don't say anything to get something. I don't need anything. And only from a non-judgmental place of myself can I be non-judgmental of other people. If I'm in judgment of myself, the world looks gray and dreary and I find problems with everybody. Yes. 
I know when I am not good with me, my wife's not good, my kids aren't good, the world's not good. When I am correct with me, I can be correct with the world. What is going on in here creates what's going on out there. So if if you are in a challenging situation, if lots of, let's say, something is going on around you and uh, that could disturb, how would you stay in that presence, that patience you mentioned, that goodness in that Um, moment? Unless I'm cultivating this over time, I'm essentially cultivating a firm foundation for my life in my meditation practice, in my stillness, in my alone time. Most people never take the time. They're busy, busy, busy. And then they're wondering why everything's falling apart. So to me, my practice of stillness, of quiet, before bed, of reading, of doing what it is that I need to meet the world, that creates it. And it's a, it is a practice over time So in the last 20 years, I've created this thing where I want peace. So I found ways to cultivate peace Mm. through studying about mindfulness, reading a very beautiful book called Wherever You Go, There You Are by Jon Kabat-Zinn, which taught me the foundations, the fundamentals of Vipassana breathing meditation, which I just tried. In, out, breathe in, breathe out. Very simple. As I'm breathing in, what am I experiencing? What's going on in my mind? What am I not paying attention to? And over time, I got to be very proficient at really paying attention to what's going on within me, without. And in that, using the breath as a tonic to help me. And I notice if I'm worried, I'm not breathing deeply. My body feels constricted. If I breathe into any part of my body that feels something and I don't reject it, I welcome it, guess what? Over time, it dissipates. I've learned that. So it doesn't happen overnight. And it's not like I'm special or some monk or guru. I'm not. I'm just some dude. I don't have a Zafu or a specific place where I've got candles. To me, I don't need that stuff to get me in the mood. Mm. Man, I'm just so simple. It's like, man, oh, here I am. Mm. Ah, back home. Okay, let's go. Awesome. And you follow <laughs> the stillness practice that I'm also now following. And you want to share what do you do in your stillness practice every morning? Oh, it's probably less important what I do to who I am when I'm doing it. Mm. So in my morning time, I begin with really reciting or speaking myself into existence. I'm selfless and power-filled in all I do. I'm magnificent and brilliant. I'm energetic and dynamic. I'm focused. I'm laser-like focus. I'm a grand master of discernment with the peace of mind and freedom of heart to cut through all lies of lack and limitation, suffering. Man, I create that. I just sit in there and I just, and I just, it floods over me. 
And then from there, I just know what it is to do, whether it's sitting, drinking a latte, drinking some water, but it's just quiet time and things will come to me. I'll take a look at my calendar and I'll say, oh, today I've got this and this. How do I want that to be? What's going on in their life? If I've got clients, I'm just like, oh, creating what it's going to be. Then I forget everything and I come from zero to be with you. It's the same thing here. We were going to do this interview and uh, this podcast and all day in the morning, I created how this was going to be. I didn't know what I was going to say, but I knew who I was going to be. I create that. Prepare myself for when my wife wakes up, when my kids wake up, prepare for eating together, making their bed, brushing their teeth, doing some piano practice. I create that. And then they do what they do and they're crazy fighting and blah, 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 blah. And then I have a choice. Oh my God, am I going to be, you know, crazy serious dad or am I going to be playfully patient? That's what I'm creating now. Man, I want to be playful and patient. And guess what? We have a lot of fun. And sometimes I need to say, okay, time to go. Let's go. And I don't need to get upset or angry about it. Before we came, they were going to bed. We're like, okay, now it's time. And they said, bye-bye. Yeah, and they're all cute. And you're like, oh, my God. You're like twins. And then they just go. My son had my AirPod. I said, okay, where is he? He goes, ah. And I said, it's there. Just give it. Okay, bye. Time to go. I love you. I'll see you in the morning. Okay. I create that. Awesome. Some people, <laughs> when they start stillness practice or any kind of meditation, and they find it really hard. Mm. find that oh my god my mind is making so much noise and i can't sit a lot of my clients when i ask them to okay just sit for five minutes they're like oh it's so difficult like because i just go crazy any anything you want to say for them yeah um most people do meditation to get rid of that meditation isn't about that meditation is paying attention to what's driving you crazy and that five minutes is a microcosm of your whole day. It's just you're too busy to notice the undercurrent of um, dis-ease and dissatisfaction. So essentially, from my understanding of meditation is I sit for five minutes and I put out the welcome mat to everything going on, mm. to my breath or lack of breath or my monkey mind, and I just like, welcome, welcome. That's amazing. Oh, my God, you're thinking about NFL football. You don't even like NFL football. Are you crazy? Now you're thinking about basketball. Don't you know you should be quiet? Come on. And I'm like, oh. So I just got to the point. Whatever is going on in here, that's going to do it. And I breathe through it. Yeah. That's so funny. The brain is doing what it does. It's judging. Oh, my God, it's judging. Oh, it's laughing now. Oh. So all my practice has been, and if you read that book, wherever you go, there you are, it details beautiful things to be present with all of life. And to me, I just want to be present to the full catastrophe of life, to everything that is occurring. Beautiful. If this happens, so what? I got worked up, so what? Now what do I want to do with it? So I've just, every moment in that book, every moment is a branch moment. You go here, I went down the wrong path. Okay, well, I choose forgiveness, breathing. I go back to this side. 
I just choose the light. I choose the lightness. I choose and I create. So right now it's like 9 p.m. When we're finished this, I'll go talk to my wife a little bit. I'm going to prepare for bed. Sometimes I'll reflect on the day I'm going to prepare myself for the next day for sleep. I'll check on my kids. They'll be sleeping or they'll still be talking and then I'll hug them. Man, like I just don't even know what I'm going to do, but I know I'm going to be present and aware and alive to it. I love that what you said, that putting putting the welcome mat and just allow everything, just welcome everything. And I've noticed uh, in, in our conversations earlier, you really vouch for slowing down. Yeah. That is something uh, which has really helped me and I also keep coming back to that. And a lot of people are just rushing through life, yeah? Mm. How do you think it has helped you in your life? We believe that the more we do and the harder we push, the more force that we exert on the world, we get what we want. Um, and it comes at a very high cost mm. because life passes us by and we miss moments. We miss moments. My kids wanted to come say hi to you. If I would be, nor I'd say, just go to bed. I've got things to do. Yeah. I'm, come on, we got to get this done. Come on. And I'm like, man, please. Okay. Take the time. Okay. That's beautiful. Now, good night. I'll see you later. Slowing down allows us to become present to what's going on within us and outside of us. Mm-hmm. And then really allows us to have a realistic, relationship with life not a sped up out of control i need to do this and i've done not done this oh my god i didn't keep my diet or i didn't do this and then judgment comes in and it just falls apart my husband is so bad my wife is just so nagging me oh my god my life's a disaster <laughs> faster 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 and i'm like man if i slow down I had an idea. I lived in Tokyo for two years and I was just kind of fooling around for two years, um, running my business remotely, my old business, which I sold. So I had this idea. I don't know what's going to happen today, but I got a pretty good idea that 50% of it will not be to my liking. Life will give me some lemons. I'm pretty sure. And 50% I'm going to be pretty okay with. And I said, um, I am going to be deliberate when something occurs that I don't like. I will slow down. I will take my practice of mindfulness and breathe through it. And I will learn to see what's occurring inside of me when something happens. So there's one time specifically where I was on a train. So I was studying Japanese and there's a circle line in Tokyo and where I lived and where this school was, was right here. So it's not quite halfway. So I went to class and then I was a tutor. I would tutor English and near where I lived. I had a client that I was doing some consulting and tutoring with. And I was on the train and at the platform, it was a crazy platform. I took the wrong platform by mistake. So instead of going here, 
to get on time to my thing. I went this way and I realized over here, it didn't matter where I went, I would be late. I hate to be late. And I was like, and I just judged myself as angry. So then I had, you know, it wasn't a smartphone, but it was a Japanese phone. It was pretty advanced at the time. And I just, my client's name, his nickname was AT and I was TK. I said, AT, I am so sorry, but I will be late. He said, hey, TK, no problem. I can use some extra time. (laughs) And I said, oh, so then Uh I'm on the train. And I'd never been on that northern part of, I never would go there. It's so far. Why would I want to go to, you know, Ikebukuro or like, why? But then I'm there and I'm like, oh, that's quite nice. I've never been here. Oh, there's some pretty girls I'm smiling at. That's so nice. Oh my God, it's so fun. I really learned something that in that moment, instead of, Man, that was something that I didn't want, but so what? What will I do with it? And I learned something. And then, you know, I went there instead of rushing, you know, running because I, I could just take it easy. And we got there and we did our stuff. I was like 45 minutes late. So we just did everything. And I never really compacted my life so that I could see my other, you know, clients later, like because I, there was, I had time. I gave myself time. So I really learned in Tokyo, yeah, time. I had time to read this book everywhere I went in my knapsack. I had that book. Man, I slowed down. In those two years, I prototyped the life that I live now. I can see like so many of us will just keep on running like as if we are running out of time and there is something to somewhere to reach to. And I remember once a client told me that if, if I sit for a moment doing nothing, I go crazy suddenly because I have mm-hmm. to be productive because and then she told me that my dad used to say that to me, like even if I'm sitting idle for a moment, why are you not doing something? You must be doing something with your time all the time. So I think we have this crazy idea that we have to be so productive and keep on doing something. Yeah. Yeah. It, it comes at a cost. Yeah. And life passes by and there's no race, but at the end we die. <laughs> I tell my kids, um, yes, the body dies, but the memory you have of me will live forever. The times that I spend with you, I want them so you remember who I am and how I made you feel. Mm -hmm. So when I pass away, even if you won't see me, you will not need to be sad because as long as we hold on to the memories that I have created with you, I'll never die. And if you speak to me to your children about your daddy, that will pass on Mm. and they're like but i'll be sad i won't see you yeah you won't not in the physical form but what i'm creating is that they are going to remember every day 
Hanashi, speaking with my kids, talking, listening, being with them. They're going to remember the mornings where I wasn't frustrated, but we played. They'll know that when I falter and I say, you know, my son is very funny. He's got, my, my wife calls it the Mahler gene. The Maulers come from the Black Forest. So we lived in the Black Forest and we also lived just in Croatia, Serbia area. And they got a temper. My son has it. I have it. So my, you know, like my son learned from me, especially when he was young, when I wasn't so forgiving. This was before I did the work with my coach on forgiving. Man, he can be impatient. And she goes, oh my God, you got the mallergy. And sometimes even now, if I'm impatient, daddy, that was so impatient. I say, I know we both have the Mahler gene. That's why I go to see Steve Hardison. I really apologize. Let's work on this together. Let's, when you're impatient with Connor, if I forget, let's forgive ourselves. Let's, we talk to him and he's, you know, then he changes. Awesome. Beautiful. I remember once you shared that um, uh, about your coach that uh, I love everyone, whether I like them or not. Mm. I know we have so many preferences, so many judgment, of course, for ourselves and for others as well. So uh, would you share that, elaborate on that? So I asked him, I said, do you like everybody? And he said, if I choose to love them, it doesn't matter whether or not I like them. So I took that to heart. And then this was two years before I started working with him. And I just had the idea that judgment of people separated me from people. Mm. Then I didn't want to be around them. If they were there, I felt bad because I was thinking bad thoughts about them. Mm. Separation, separation. So if I love someone, it doesn't mean I need to be around them all of the time. But anyone who comes in my periphery, I'll talk to anyone. Because I don't really fixate on the judgments I have of them. If I have them, I laugh at myself and, oh, Gary, you're just ridiculous. The mayor of Vancouver, I'm not too fond of. Well, I wrote a letter to him about some changes that were occurring. He never replied. So I wrote another one, the same one. And then his assistant replied, and it was not a very, it was a terrible letter. So I can have judgment. It's like, what am I going to do? Am I going to reply? How dare you? You're this and that. Fine. I forgive myself for judging myself at the terrible job he's doing. And there's some things that I'm, you know, I call the spade a spade. There's some things going on that he's not really doing a great job. But I don't fixate on the anger or judgment I have of him. I wrote a letter. I got something back. So what? Now I become the change I want to be in the world. I forgive myself for judging myself against him. And I wish him well. I wish you the wisdom to be able to tackle some of these problems differently than you do. He doesn't need my judgment or hate. That's just tearing me apart. So I I become free. I say, great. I'm not crazy about the job he's doing. Next time I'll vote. Next time other people will vote and will do. And if there's things that need to change, I'll be a part of the change that needs to occur. 
a life changing moment for you what would that be gary the life changing moment that i keep coming back to is in 1997 i realized that i just wanted peace and for 3 years i couldn't find it i was just miserable i went to japan on a business trip and i went into this beautiful temple in nara japan and there's a buddha inside or so i'd heard and i went there cuz it was a touristy thing to do and i walk in from the humid outside the cool air from inside because it's a wooden structure with beautiful ventilation and i see this buddha and i was like man i want that i want that peace 21 years later i have that peace i have that peace that no matter what happens inside of me or outside of me i remain unmoved and worry free nothing moves or shakes me even if i'm moved or shaken i can be with anything and that peace remains i can sit through anything and if i can i forgive myself for judging myself i am love coming from love and forgiveness and understanding whatever life offers me i choose creation from surrender acceptance and allowance i love my wife my son my daughter with all my might and i lay my life down for them and if i forget that so what you know what i just go back to doing my job my job is to love my wife my son my daughter with all my might and lay my life down for them so do i do that all the time man i don't i'm a human being i'm not a saint i'm also not a sinner i'm gary and i just come back to this that desire of i want peace led me to every step and following what i could at the time to become that which i sought so now i'm that i am peace so that changed everything wow oh, that was beautiful <laughs> <laughs> and don't we all want that that inner peace yeah and what would you say has been really instrumental for you i you have shared a lot of things already but what would be instrumental in bringing you that peace wow um being gentle with myself each step of the way as i was learning it was like learning how to walk a child doesn't really worry about how often it falls it just knows it wants to walk I wasn't too preoccupied at how bad I was at meditation or how bad I was at all of these things. I just said, "Oh, well, now I'm going to sit 2 minutes, 3 minutes, 5 minutes. I will learn. I'll be open." So this gentle way of being with myself created the biggest shifts that I could have imagined. and there are things that i still don't know but there is an ease and flow to creation that is occurring within me where things that i couldn't have imagined are being manifested through me life living as gary that i could not have even fathomed and it just occurs so wherever you're at there's no other place to be you're perfect where you're at take some of the things i've said read some of the things 
if I can do this, and I tell you, I am far from a guru, far from a monk, far from anything. I'm the most pragmatic, practical. For all of this airy-fairy stuff I speak to, I'm the most pragmatic and practical person. It's like I will be open to things and I will test them. And I will be open in my heart to anything to bring me that which I seek. I just realized I wanted peace. And now I do everything to be love, peace, non-judgmental. And I create it. And some days when I falter, <laughs> guess what? I create that. I am playful patience, especially with myself, because I'm a super slow learner. I am love coming from love. I'm forgiveness and understanding, especially with myself. <laughs> and I always get what I want. Peace. Wow, that's just an amazing <laughs> consolidation of everything you've shared, Gary. And that's, I think that itself answering my question, which I might was thinking to ask that how to create a life that you love living. I think, yeah, anything else you want to add to that? Follow the breadcrumbs. If there's something you desire, ask yourself, what am I doing believing that I am keeping this out of my life? And just be open to things that are not, would not seem common sense and follow it. My mom, just she's 77, she'll be 70, 78 in June. She just listens to things and she's just at 78, just her whole life is about finding something. And she just listens to beautiful podcasts and just finds things and has ideas and just as she goes, like, I just want to be more of this. And then she studies it. My wife just. I want to be more of this. And she just listens. Said, what were you listening to? I was listening to this, this, and this. And, oh, wow. And it comes. And then she shares with me and I share with her. And then we help each other. Awesome. I think a lot of wisdom nuggets we have got. And it's so funny. We could share with our listeners that we surrendered because we are doing it again. The recording has the last an hour before we were talking and we realized that nothing got recorded. And so we laughed, we laughed, we laughed. And I said, this is perfect. So all of the nonsense we just talked about, like all of the stuff we just talked about. And then so what happens? Yeah. We just say, do you want to do it now or later? Oh, let's do it now. So in. So this is life. Yeah. What just happened? This is take two. So what? So what? So then I go to restroom, bring my kids. They say hi to you. And they're happy to see you. They're like, who is that? They're just like. So something was created. Awesome, Gary. Where can people find you? Just share. Uh, well, through you, through Facebook, Gary Mahler, uh, GaryMahler.com. Um, on my website, there's my email address. Yes. And you generously, graciously brought us together to share your joy and wisdom, my joy and wisdom, that it could impact somebody who needs to hear this even if it doesn't make sense but they just know enough that they want it mm. 
in this, your invitation creates a possibility of transformation to somebody. And if the other one we did wasn't meant to happen, who am I to say that that's the problem? Yes. And if I couldn't do it, I'd say, you know, I'm tired. I'm going to bed. We'll do it another time and we do it and it wouldn't be a problem. Or we're on, let's do it. And here we are. And this 2.0 of your 2.0, it's recorded. It's going out there. Guess what? This is the one that the world needed to hear. They didn't need the one we just did. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Awesome. This is right now life happening. Yeah. Amazing. It was so, so wonderful and so much fun talking to you, Gary. And I'm so honored to have you on the show. Thank you so much. Wow. A double interview we did. Two hours back to back. As I as we shared the first one after an hour of uh, you know conversation with Gary, I realized that we didn't get it recorded. Some goof up happened, and we did it again. That's what life is. It's so amazing that we were talking about in just last one hour about life acceptance and surrender, and exactly <laughs> this is what we were talking about on the show. So what? Pure surrender and keep taking action. I'm sure you are mesmerized by Gary and his words as well. And you're feeling inspired to forgive yourself, your self-judgments for you and create your I am statement, believing that and create a life from who I am. I would love to share my experience of uh, working with Gary, which has been completely miraculous since I started working with him and he's shared his journey with his coach Steve Hardison has been an anchor in his life as well. So many people have this misconception that people go to coaches when there is a big problem or a major issue in their life which is not true. Working with a life coach can be instrumental in taking you to the next level in your life journey, no matter how successful or content you are. I would encourage you to check Gary's beautiful website, garymoller.com. And if you are a coach, check out his chapter in the book, Old Words Rise. All details are there in the show notes. And uh, as you might know, I create twice a year a self-mastery soul circle with group of men and women, a small group, which is an online group coaching program to tap into your wholeness, connect deeply with yourself and the spirit of the universe. Next circle will be starting soon and you can apply for the same from my website or you can ask me for more details by sending me an email at coach at If you liked this episode, please share with others and leave a review for us on Apple Podcasts or CastBox. I'd highly appreciate that. See you in the next episode with another wonderful guest. Till then, keep growing, keep evolving and keep inspiring yourself, your children and the world as you create a life you love living. Bye!